What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Guys Talking Sports. It's April 1st today. Um, if I got April Fool today, I don't know. Because uh, ain't nobody come at me and said nothing crazy or ridiculous. But when, still got time, I guess. It's still got two and a half hours. So I pray that I don't get pranked or, or punked. But anyway, hello, folks out there in internet land and everywhere else where you may be. What's going on? Podcastville, Earl, Al, what's the good word? Well, um, I made sure, even though in celebration of April 1st, um, what I ended up doing was let my daughter pray a prank on me. So um, <laughs> she recorded it. So as long as she's happy, I'm happy. <laughs> I'll take an L for, for her. <laughs> just for today. Oh, well, I didn't have any pranks played and pretty much forgot about those April Fool's Day. So, <laughs> but outside of that, everything is good. <laughs> I just hate the weather. It's just very disrespectful. Nice, balmy 70, close to 80 degrees last week. Then I get outside this afternoon and it's cold and windy. Right. Yeah. I, I think I even seen the snow flurry. Uh, I don't know if it was like a real slushy rain. I don't know what the hell you want to call it, but I thought I saw some snow. I don't know. So. Not not something I was looking forward to today, but hey, well, you know, April showers bring those May flowers. So stuff to look forward to. I'm just happy I can kind of kind of quasi turn the heat off now. <laughs> well, I gotta turn on in the morning just to kick the just to cut the chill out. But outside of that, it's been it's been off for about two weeks. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Yeah, that PSE and G bill for me is just like uh you need to chill with some things. <laughs> Anywho, yet another valuable week of sports and headlines and controversies and surprises are have become us again. And we woke up today to a to a great, an all-time great head coach in college basketball deciding to put up his sneakers and retire. Uh Give a shout out to Roy Williams. Had a hell of a career at Kansas and North Carolina. I'm sure he had some other stops before he got to Kansas and North Carolina, but nobody really cares about those other places. It's Kansas and North Carolina that really put him on the map. And um, he got three national championships under his belt. Probably hundreds, well, maybe close to hundreds, maybe probably hundreds of kids that he might have put in the league or went pro under, under his tutelage. So definitely want to give a shout out to Roy Williams on a hell of a career. Now he can sit back and relax and, and enjoy the, the rest of his years watching his kids and his grandkids and probably great grandkids grow up and he could just relax, you know, try to chill. And he got through that whole little COVID thing. And I know COVID and all the stresses from last season, I'm sure put a lot, put a lot on him being at, at his age. So I'm sure, that, you know, it was about as good a time as any to sit back and kind of just take a step back and let some of these younger cats uh, take the reign and let him enjoy the rest of his life. So I don't know if you guys have any parting words or any 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 memories you might have had of Roy Williams. Um, I will say this. Um, for him to do what he's done, um, I think he's now, he definitely has a record of over a thousand wins. Um, I think it's around 1,100. Um, I have to say, I think he is probably one of them. He did what he needed to do. 
um, when Dean Smith um, officially um, moved on from North Carolina and he took the spot on the realms, um, he had a long career. I mean, he just came from Kansas to um, North Carolina. So with that, you know, to do what he had to do to make that successful run, um, I think is very, he should be in the Hall of Fame without question. Um, definitely in the NCAA. Um, should be first ballot Hall of Fame uh, for not just North Carolina, Kansas too, but overall, uh, he definitely did everything that he needed to do. Um, of course, this season wasn't the best for him, but all in all, the, you can't knock what he's done um, throughout this whole his whole tenure um, as a coach. So not going to, you know, kudos to him. Um, good for him to do. He's definitely going to make it into the Hall of Fame. So um, the many people that he put out there that helped jumpstart their careers, not just in college, but in the NBA as well, um, you can't knock that. So, I mean, he's one of the, the – to stay in North Carolina for that long, um, coaching, um, just the tenure of it alone should be enough to get him in. So, I, kudos to him. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely – going to have his place in the college, you know, college basketball hall of fame, um, you know, when his time comes, uh, when you think about Roy Williams, I mean, you know, he kind of, you know, came from Kansas, you know, to there and kind of came at a time where I guess UNC was kind of had a, you know, had a couple of, from their perspective, down seasons <laughs> to other college uh, programs with good seasons. Um, but, you know, he followed a legend. He followed Dean Smith. Um, there were some other, I think it was a couple of other coaches that was there, mm -hmm. um, I think like two or three, but he was, the, but at that time, you know, UNC was kind of on a, a down, so he was able to kind of bring it back to prominence. And I'm looking at some of the stats. He won um, nine ACC regular season championships, three conference tournament titles with the, with the Tar Heels. Um, he did win seven league tournament titles with the Jayhawks, but transition from the Jayhawks to UNC won three chips. Um, of, I'm not even going to go down a variety of list of names that he put out there, but um, he's had a lot of players. I think 21 total taken in the NBA draft, I think they said. So um, he's up there. Um, Al, he didn't have a hundred, he didn't have a thousand wins. He was at 903, I'm looking at. So he was, okay. so Ooh. he was, so he was not there, but he, you know, huh? Uh, Coach Huggins. West Virginia uh, basketball coach. He's at 900. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think, but, you know, I was thinking of, I was thinking about the overall games he coached. That was me. Mm. Okay. Definitely coached over a thousand for sure. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, you know, everyone speaks glowing of him. Um, I was kind of surprised because sometimes you hear coaches, you might hear rumblings before the season or something like that midseason that's a certain person might be thinking about it. I think it caught a lot of people by surprise. The one comment that he said when it, whenever he thought he wasn't the right person for the job or the right man for the job, that was one thing that I kind of, you know, sat there made me pause um, as far as, you know, is he saying that he just doesn't have the, the passion for it, the energy, the drive to do it, or could it be something else? We don't know. I mean, the game now the kids now that are coming into college and the way the game is coached, you know, is far different than when he was, when he first started at Kansas and even to the point where he first came to UNC. I mean, you know, it's, 
it's changed drastically, even more so drastically over the last, what, five to seven years or so. Um, but for him to be able to kind of maneuver the one and done eras, the kids going overseas, you know, now they're going to the G League, to be able to still put out a good product consistently. And he did have some down years, but to be able to still put out a consistent product and be able to get kids there and go to the, you know, go to the pros, I mean, you just have to tip your hat off to the man. And, uh, you know, he'll, you know, he'll be sorely missed. And there's going to be, once again, some huge shoes to fill. <laughs> Whoever takes up the mantle after him. But uh, UNC always likes to hire most of the time within. So I'd be curious to see, you know, who's going to, you know, it's going to be, I think it was Hubert Davis that's been on the coaching squad with him for about nine years. One name. As one name, or you know, there's pretty sure there's a variety of coaches out there that might be we're not thinking about, but you know, it you tip your hat off to the man. But I'd be curious to see who's going to be the person that you know to pick up that mantle and and see if he can, you know, keep it going with the level of success that UNC is accustomed to having. Yeah, whoever it is definitely going to have some huge shoes to fill, huge shoes to fill. Um, the question is whether or not they're capable of doing it, though. You know, you, you, you may you may mention of the successes in Kansas versus North uh, North Carolina, and all those years when he was in the the Big Eight, and then it became the Big Twelve. Kansas was always the cream of the crop of that division. So, even to this day, after he left and Bill Self came in. It's still Kansas, you know, Kansas division, Kansas, Kansas conference lose. Mm -hmm. They win it nine times out of 10. You know, this year they didn't win it because of Baylor. Um, and there might've been one other season in the past couple of years that they didn't win. But for the most part, Kansas has always been Kansas even after Roy Williams left. I think, I think the, the talent in the ACC when he had an actual rival in Duke made things not saying it, not taking anything away from Roy Williams as a coach and all the accomplishments that he's that he had, but just comparing the two schools, he had a tougher road in ACC versus the Big Twelve. But he always put up uh, put out a, a superior team in the Big Twelve, and he always had superior teams in the ACC. But I just wanted to point that out that I think he just had a little bit of an easier road in the Big Twelve or the Big Eight, Big Twelve, whatever you want to call it, back then versus current ACC, because we all know ACC has always been North Carolina Duke, but they always have some other squads that come out there and, and do some work. Georgia Tech, North Carolina, North Carolina State, uh, Virginia, mm -hmm. uh, just to name a few, Syracuse, you know, even though Syracuse hasn't been where they've been, but he has better, far better basketball competition in the ACC than in the now versus the big eight, big 12, that, that's where I'm going with that. Because I don't know if he'd have that same success if he was still at Kansas right now. I mean, I'm sure he would, but it would be stiffer competition because some of the teams in the big 12 have caught up with Kansas. So I just thought yeah. I'd put that out there. But with that being said, once again, big up, Roy Williams. Uh, enjoy your well deserved time off. Kick back and relax. You've earned it. I'm sure your wife and all the family are just peachy keen to have you back home sipping lemonade on the porch. 
<laughs> but anywho, keeping it to uh, the college basketball, we have our men's final four. We got two ones, a two, and an 11 seed. UCLA being the 11, Houston being the two, and the two ones being Gonzaga and Baylor. Uh, what are your takes of the final four as of right now? And who do you predict will be in the championship game? Well, who the hell saw that with, with, with UCLA? <laughs> I mean, um, Gonzaga and Baylor, you know, I think kind of people had them pegged. I had Gonzaga in my, in my busted bracket, <laughs> you know, at least making it to the championship game. But, um, um, uh, it's good. I mean, Gonzaga right now appears to be the, uh, the heads on favorite as of right now. I mean, they're a loaded squad, a deep squad. And, you know, listen to some of the coaches now, I think moving forward, if, college basketball as is is going to still be the one and duns or was it going to switch to straight out of high school i think uh you're going to have more experienced teams more teams that have you know juniors and seniors um or players that have been there for a while that's going to be able to make the tournament runs um as opposed to some of your one and duns now we've had the outliers we had the kentuckys we had even duke had a couple of ones kentucky was the one that kind of you know rings out in my head as as the one squad that had a lot of one and doneers and was able to like make that push but it's been a pretty good series i mean you know exciting the, the, the game days kind of throws me off because they're trying to compensate for covid so i'm so used to thursday friday saturday and sunday now you got monday you got tuesday and i'm like wait a second who played when so <laughs> <laughs> but to get to where we got you know it's um you know it should be pretty exciting um Right now, it appears Gonzaga to lose unless UCLA wants to still go in there and kind of make things more interesting. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I think that as of right now, um, I really didn't expect UCLA to be where they are right now, but kudos to them for doing what they're supposed to do. I agree with you, Smooth. I think that it's Gonzaga's to lose. They have the opportunity regardless to make it into – to, to, to actually fulfill what they need to do. They've been in, like, they've been so close, but couldn't complete. But this is their opportunity now. And like I said, it's theirs to lose. Um, I, to be honest, the Baylor and Houston game is going to be very interesting to me. Um, I really want to see how that, to, to be honest, that game will determine to me who is going to win, the, who's going to win the championship series. Um, I believe that if Baylor wins, then I could see them and Kazaga going head to head. Um, if Houston wins, I, I I don't know if they can keep up with Gonzaga. So I'm really interested to see how these this plays out. Um, UCLA really surprised me, but I don't know if they can keep it going at the Final Four. So I'm interested to see how this game progresses. Um, Gonzaga is too balanced at this stage for them not to win this. At this, I mean, and I'm talking about the whole thing. They're too balanced not to win the whole thing. Yeah, so yeah, they're loaded, but very loaded. Um, I would be surprised if they don't make it and win the championship. I'd be surprised. Not saying that it can't happen, but I would be surprised. What surprises me is the fact that you know the the, the Big Ten was supposed to be the the conference, you know, the top conference of this year, you know, posting all the records in there. 
and you 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 know you flip your head and what you got what two pack ten teams in there? <laughs> is Baylor pack 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 ten? No, they're um Baylor's Big Twelve. Big Twelve. Big Twelve. Okay, yeah. So two pack tens, a Big Twelve in a in a um what is it American or whatever Houston is in now? A two pack twelve. No, wait, Gonzaga's not back. Twelve. Gonzaga's something. Yeah. Not West or some crap. I don't know. What oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, if I, you know, I got to be biased. You know, Big Twelve is still standing, so I, I would love to see Baylor win. Um, especially everything that they've been through, having to take you know damn near a month off due to COVID uh, during the, their regular season and managed to still fight through wins and stay undefeated. So they're not the only undefeated team left standing. True. I mean, ultimately, the, the ultimate the ultimate match would be Gonzaga-Beller. Yes. I mean, that's where, you know, I guess that's where all the money lies. I mean, if you want fantasy, which this is, you know, this is what makes March Madness so great, why can't it be a Houston-UCLA championship? True. You know? actually, actually, I would have some pushback on you. Um, I think the money bill, not not so much um, Gonzaga and Baylor. I would say the money would be UCLA and Baylor. Because you're having, because, I mean, I, I, I think Gonzaga is going to win, but I think from a marketing standpoint, you have UCLA, the old tried, true blue blood that's been kind of mm-hmm. on hard times. Now they're back in the mix in the national championship game. Gonzaga has always been nice. They've always been a Cinderella. They're not a Cinderella anymore, but they've always been on the cusp, like you said, Ace. But I think if from a marketing standpoint, Gonzaga and Baylor is good, but UCLA and Baylor would be even better because you can sell UCLA. Trust. I agree. I agree. Um, can't really sleep on Houston either, only because Houston had a hell of a season. They had a little lull there in the middle of the season where they dropped a few games, but Houston is loaded, especially with their coach, because I think he left Indiana and came down to Houston and, and built a powerhouse down there now. Um, honestly, it wouldn't shock me one way or the other to see a multitude of different combinations of who makes the championship. I guess from if they want to pick the two best teams, the two undefeated teams, that's what everybody would want to see. Is Baylor undefeated or yeah. – yeah. Oh, okay. Just what happened was Baylor had that damn near a month where they didn't play. And that's why they don't have as many wins as uh, as Gonzaga due to COVID. Um, but this was probably one of the more unpredictable March Madness that anybody could have ever could have ever kind of sat there and and guessed or even conceived only because my bracket was busted day one. (laughs) After I saw some of the first few losses or the first couple games, I was like, I'm not even bothering to look at mine. It just doesn't make any sense to look at it because I know it was, it was crap. Um, But it just goes to show it. I'm going to piggyback off of what you said. Um, It's all about now those teams that have those, upperclassmen, those guys that stick around for four and five years where they may take their lumps in one, you know, year one and two, but that three, four and five is where they propel and then they start bringing in talent on the back end and that's how they sustain their success. 
So to see Loyola Chicago or Oral Roberts, um, Syracuse, even though they're 11, it's just probably because they just played poorly, but they're never, they're not a, an 11, 11 seed in my opinion. They're, they're, they're blue blood, <laughs> just like a UCLA. It's just that they ran into a buzz on Houston uh, but it wouldn't have shocked me if Syracuse would be Houston, but they just cooled off shooting pretty much. So I guess the bottom line is who do I see in the championship game? Guilty, I would love to see. Baylor, UCLA would be nice. I just don't see it happening. Um, I, I see Baylor and Houston really having a battle because it's the battle of Texas and Houston wants their respect because they've been dying, they've been begging to get into the Big 12. And if they were to knock off a Big 12 team going into the NCAA championship, they got some bragging rights and, and you know, whatever, whatever. So Houston has everything to fight for. Um, but ultimately, I think it's going to be Gonzaga Baylor. And selfishly, I got to root Big 12. So if I had to pick <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I completely agree with you. Um, to be honest, um, from a, I, and to be honest, you make a valid point about the marketing standpoint because I can see them wanting UCLA and Baylor um, to be in there um, because then they would argue that a powerhouse or a quote-unquote powerhouse um, team is in the mix for the championship. I think that the writing is on the wall, regardless. And I say this again: the writing is on the wall. If Gonzaga loses this this is their opportunity that's been missed. Um, right. And people are going to say going forward that Gonzaga had the perfect weather where they were undefeated and still couldn't get the job done for the mid-marketing teams out there. So not just everybody is rooting for Gonzaga, the mid-marketing um, colleges out there, the mid-conferences is rooting for Gonzaga as well because that will open up. Go ahead. Don't forget Houston is the mid-major too. Yeah, so mm -hmm. that's what I'm saying. Like, uh, Gonzaga-Houston would be big for the mid-conferences because that will open up and say, hey, look, these mid-conferences, hey, look, we can do this too. We, mm -hmm. If you give us the opportunity, we can make it to the Final Four or into the championship game. So I think that for the mid-conferences, I think that Gonzaga and Houston would be ideal. I wouldn't be surprised if they're rooting for a Gonzaga-Houston um, championship series because – this will give them that door that they need to argue for um, to be included for more opportunity. I agree. I agree. Um, I don't think – would the NCAA like it? I don't know. From a marketing standpoint, only because I think they would say that Gonzaga is far and above better than Houston, you know, just as far from a talent standpoint. I think they would feel as though it would probably be a better matchup versus one of the, the the power five teams that are still left versus Houston. But I would love to see it just, just for that sake alone. You know, you don't have to be a five-star recruit, go to Kentucky, Kansas, and all these schools. You can go to uh, XYZ Conference Street University down, down around the corner. Mm -hmm. And as long as you can bring a friend or two, you have every opportunity just like everybody else. Yep. And I guess that's yep. what makes it so great. You know, it's just, I, I just don't think there's any... And the, the women's tournament too, because they they put on a show as well. Can't definitely your women's uh, tournament too. But uh, boring is what it is. It's it's, it's boringly predictable on the women's side. I, I, I'm I, hey, I'm not. To be honest, I gotta disagree with you because yeah. that UConn Baylor game was on point. 
I have to admit that. That you come. I mean, and I mean, I know we could talk about the final seconds of what happened, but I thought that overall that game was on point. There was not one um, big lead in that in that game. I thought toe to toe that was a pretty good even game. Right to be honest, that kept me watching them. Uh, my the only comment I'm gonna say about boringly predictable when it comes to women women's tournament. I'm not gonna really like you said go too much into whatever happened at the tail end of that UConn game, um, but more traditionally there's not as many upsets big upsets in women's basketball whereas college basketball you're going to get that first weekend you might catch a couple and this tournament you call the number one slipping and um and um they got lost where the the women's college basketball i watch it you know i've always kind of watched it keep an eye on it it's very rarely you'll get no more than two or three ones in the final four. Sure. Who, uh, that I get rid of. Are they, is it all four ones in the women's final four this year? No, no it's, it's three ones and a number three. Stanford, know. UConn, Stanford, South Carolina, UConn are all number ones, and um, UConn is going against Arizona, which is the number three. I still think, I still stand by Dawn Stelly's first championship when they knocked off uh, UConn in a, in, a, in a semifinal game. I swear that and that was an overtime too when Ogre hit that three at the buzzer. Yo, I, I was literally screaming at the TV because that game was exciting as hell. And it was just and it's just I maybe because I just love to see UConn lose. Yes. Because don't lose very often. <laughs> yes. And that's why I was like, that's why I was so in tune to the UConn Bella game, because that was it was close. So I was sitting there like, wow, this they could actually lose this. Um was it a foul though? I think it was a foul. Yeah, it was that was it. It didn't look like it when you it didn't look like it initially at first, but when she fell down, it was like uh, it was kind of hard to tell. But when they did the rewind, you saw yeah, that was a I've seen lesser things get caught a foul in that game. Lesser things. So they touch it off. <laughs> breathe by somebody, and you know, but you know, in my opinion, you know. That was a foul, and they, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, like I said, I didn't want to get too into that, um, but it's, I think that as of right, I agree with you, Smooth, in regards to it's, there's no, uh, there's no, there's total, there's no, everything is predictable with the women's basketball at this stage. Um, like, you already know that UConn is going to make it at least to the Elite Eight, regardless. They've been in the Final Four for the past 15 straight Seasons, years, twelve. Or, I think it was twelve. Twelve. Okay, but they've been there more than ten times. <laughs> that amount is giving me twelve. You know, straight seasons. So, like, it's 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 almost predictable to the point that you know for a fact that certain teams is going to make the final four. I mean, you could put UConn, you could put Stanford in there. Um, you could have put Baylor in there as well. You could put. South Carolina now um, in the mix now with Dawn and them. So you know for a fact that there's going to be certain teams. There's no every, any given night as per se. There is not that, you know, one team can win it. It's too much of a powerhouse. Those are complete powerhouses, complete strongholds. When it gets to the point from a women's standpoint where you have 11s and 10s um, making it to the final four, then I think that's what would open up more viewership because people want to see the top teams, you know, 
how long they will last or if it if they continue to last it's not going to be as entertaining as it should be yeah and, and women's basketball as opposed to college basketball like the, 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 there's no parody I mean people go all three or four years and I didn't know that you know that the girls can't leave after what I think it's like three years or something to that effect where the guys can like jump ship after one um now they're talking about tweaking that and I was shocked when Gino was in favor of having that discussion because you know he has a direct pipeline of you know blue chippers and you know five-star recruits that come in you know in the Yukon it's like a revolving door so um but yeah there's no parody it reminds me of how college basketball was back when we were in high school where you knew the dominant state dominant for like three to four years because everybody stayed at least three years now it's just like you know men's basketball it's the wild wild west and the girls basketball is much more traditional yeah i want tennessee to come back stanford is on the way back i want tennessee to come back because remember back in the day it was tennessee stanford texas tech when cheryl swoop and all of them was playing back in the day that's who the the big time schools were and then gino and yukon came on the scene with rebecca lobo and then they just took off from that point on and once Pat Summit passed away, Tennessee just ain't been the same since. But if they can come back to prevalence, that would be awesome because I love seeing Stanford back. I love seeing some of the the blue bloods for women's basketball making making their their uh, their presence felt again. Come on, let's get Tennessee back up in there so we can have a, a good old fashioned party. Yeah, yeah, well, they they was number three um, in this. See, they lost to Michigan uh, by fifteen, so they're getting there. Um, it's not like they, yeah, they're, they, they have ways to go, but they're at least getting there. So I can't knock them for that, but I completely agree with you. There's so many, if, if we're going to bring everybody back, there gotta be some balance and the women's basketball doesn't have that particular balance yet to the point where any team can beat any top team at any given night. Um, not like the men's. So until there's more balance on the women's side of things, it's not going to be as entertaining as it should be. And I think that's really one of the like key issues. But I agree with you, Smooth, on that part that, because um, when I found out about that, I was like, wow, the, you've got to stay three years? Like, that doesn't make sense. Especially, and it's good that you said that they're, they're, they're talking about it. That's, I mean, they need to get that that going, to be honest with you. Because there's yeah. certain freshmen there that definitely can play in it in WNBA right now. Um, the girl from Iowa, man, she was killing it by herself. I mean, she was literally killing it. Um, I thought she was going to carry the team to the final four. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I was surprised about that, um, and and so was the U.S. government. Now that the NCAA is in an antitrust case and they asked that question, they was like, wait a second, the guys can stay one year, but the girls kind of stay three? That don't sound right. And everybody yeah. was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's about to be a wild party going on on the women's side, too. Because you'll find that a lot of these chicks, when they sit there and they, they sign on to UConn, Baylor, whatever, 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 they got to sit there in two or three years. They're going to get tired of that crap, and they're going to start transferring out. They're going to start – that's how some of those other schools, some other Power 5 schools will probably get better. <laughs> but then it'll be those talented girls coming from – excuse me, talented women coming from more talented squads going to 
lesser talented P5 squads. And those those talented women that are on those squads consider and say, okay, now these girls coming in and playing above me. So now that's going to have a trickle down effect to the lower end D1 or Power 5 squads. Like the Stony, like it's, it's always fascinating to me when you see like a one versus 16 and it's Stony Brook playing against UConn and UConn destroys them every year in the tournament. You know, but it, it, it'd be like 80 something to 30 something. It's just the talent gap is so huge. But let the Wild Wild West open in, uh, in college basketball for women and watch a Stony Brook in a couple of years start getting some talent because they're going to want to go somewhere and shine. <laughs> and the only places they're going to shine is because the talent is going to start trickling down backwards. I'm all yeah. for it. I'm all for it. <laughs> yeah. I think that, the, uh, to be honest, I think that because I agree. I, to be honest, if once, like, it, all it takes is a couple of players to do it. Um, like the men does it all the time. It's like somebody's like, yo, I, I gotta go. I gotta get to a point where it's reverent for me to get my minutes in. I could do this someplace else and be a starter and not be in on a bench for a powerhouse team. And eventually women are going to start thinking that having that mindset to say, you know what, why don't I come to UConn if I'm like the 13th person? I mean, of course, yes, I may want to win in a championship, but no one is going to see me help contribute to the team when I could go someplace else and transfer to a team where I could be the star on that team and people will see me to a point where I could go to the next level. It all depends on what their mindset is and what they're trying to accomplish. Are they trying to be an NBA, WNBA player or do they just want to go to that school to win a championship and call it a day? So that mindset is going to start trickling down. And when people start doing that and start transferring and going to these different schools, that's where that balance is starting to come back in. Mm -hmm. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of people don't do that right now. A lot of women, I should say, don't do that. Right they now. don't They don't have that opportunity. Yeah, I think if, you know, they adjust the, the rules to be the same as men where you can play one and done um, or let them go overseas and play and come back in, you drop that age restriction down to you make the same blanket rules for men as women, then just like you said, Ace, you're going to have those girls who's going to think, why do I want to go to UConn and be on the bench and not play? Because you already got, you know, three or four, you know, five-star recruits there. But I can go to a student or I can go to a, another squad and get my shine, get notice, get a pick in the draft, and then bounce. And then, just like how you saw on the, men, on the men's side, where all the talent now is getting very dispersed because people want to go to different places where they're going to be able to get, you know, that shine is not, not so much going to Kentucky or Duke or UNC or whatever. You can go anywhere, have a great season, and put yourself right in the top of the, uh, right in the, top of the draft or go overseas. Exactly. And, 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 do, and do the same exact thing. And we'll switch back to men's. Look at Gonzaga. Gonzaga got the kid from Florida. Gonzaga got another kid from another pack, uh, SEC school. I think you get, they got like two or three kids from SEC schools that were I. They, they, they were talented, but they just weren't a fit at Florida or the different schools that they were coming from. And now they're freaking stars at Gonzaga. It's no different. No damn different. You know what I'm saying? So the only difference is the girl, the women, when they transfer out, they're going to go to still, they're still going to go to bigger P5 schools. But it's those talented girls on those P5 schools that they're going to populate those lesser schools 
because they're not getting shined for where they originally committed to. So that's how that whole thing is going to work. So it's going to be like a five to seven year dynamic once they lift that, you know, one and done or transfer after a year type of thing and let the girls just go and do what they're going to do. I can't wait for it. That's going to be so awesome. Yeah, I'm surprised. I think, I think certain, yeah. I'm surprised they didn't do this anytime sooner. Well, I'm pretty sure some of those um, top schools are a little bit resistant to that. <laughs> oh, yeah, that makes sense. I was shocked when Gino, well, he just said, we can have a discussion. But I hear that at work. We always talk about, yeah, let's have a discussion about that. You never have the meeting about a particular you know, subject or a situation. It's nice to say, mm-hmm. but until you actually put rubber to the road, uh, those guys are going to be shitting bricks because now they're going to be like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah, because now you're not going to have as much talent as you have. Yeah, UConn shiny new freshman that just won't play the year. Oh, she could be out <laughs> right to the WNBA. And now you're back recruiting hard that level. I'm saying that's where you would probably start seeing it where it's more balanced, like how the NBA, because mm-hmm. cats are going to want to go to a school where they can get some shine. It might not have to be UConn. It could be anywhere. You can go to Oklahoma State. I mean, hell, look at um, what's the kid from it? I said Atlanta right now. Um, the point guard. I can't think of his name off the top of right. my head. Can you come here? No. Um, oh, 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 Trey, Trey, Trey. Trey Young. Trey Young, yeah. yeah. He went to what? Oklahoma, Oklahoma State? He went to Oklahoma. Oklahoma, yeah. One and done. He could have went to some place. He could have went to a maybe a, a you know a UConn or a Duke or one of those quote unquote big blues, but he went to Oklahoma. Not a scrub, but it's just saying that there are other schools where you can go to get your shine. You might not win it, you might not win it, Chip. You might even make it that far in the, you know, in the tournament. But as long as you have a great season and you showcase your ass, it'll well, put you right to the top. You want to you want to mention that Kay Cunningham from Oklahoma State. Yep. He he kept his he honored his commitment to Oklahoma State, even though they got them sanctions levied on them. But NCAA allowed them to play in the postseason this year. I don't think they're allowed to play the postseason next year, but he still decided to go to Oklahoma State. You don't see that kind of loyalty that much anymore. No. In sport. You know, because if they're coming down with them sanctions, you'd be like, mm, gotta go. <laughs> well, he ain't staying that long because he get the hell out of Dodge real quick. Yeah, <laughs> he ain't running it back. <laughs> yeah, especially since he's projected as the number one pick in the draft. So, yeah. Hey, not to switch topics, but have you guys noticed that on ESPN Plus, there's a show the undefeated that they're following NC, NC Central, NC, uh, North Carolina Central University, and they're badging uh, squad? No. Yeah, I, be- I believe so. Yeah, I, I caught an episode of that. It was really, really, really interesting, but I digress. We're talking college basketball, you know. <laughs> I caught episode four, but I need to go back and watch the first three episodes. I'm sitting there like, hmm, black folk. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs>